Hello, and welcome back to the We All Talk podcast. My name is Abby Mickey. I'm here with Lauren Rowney. Lauren, hello. Good morning, everyone. And Gracie Elvin. Uh, good evening from Australia. We're on daylight savings time. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there soon. We'll get there soon. For now, we're here to chat about the role of a road captain. We had fun last time with the domestiques and got some cool um, input from people about their favorite domestiques, people we may have missed. So figured that we would kind of stick with the topic in between races. We still got Kuang Chi and Chugbing Island coming up. So the world tour season is not over, even though it feels like it really should be. <laughs> it's not. We're still going to talk about racing. But for now, we're in a weird lull. So we're going to talk about road captains um, and a little bit on gravel worlds. Before we dive into that, this episode of the Wheel Talk podcast is brought to you by the members of the Escape Collective. We've got multiple tiers of membership over at Escape Collective, depending on what you want. There's one where you can just get unlimited access to the site, all the stories that we write on the site, which are phenomenal. If I do say so myself, I had two this weekend that I was pretty proud of um, on the gravel worlds. I just love to write, so it's fun when I get to <laughs> kind of just spew at the page, which was basically what that was. Um, we've There's a, another tier where you get ex access to our Discord group, which is just phenomenal, or the Discord in general. There's like tons of different channels on there for basically any hobby or passion that you have in life. It's, it's really cool to be a part of that um, community on Discord. So if, if you're looking for something along those lines, then sign up for the Escape Collective, escapecollective.com slash join. And thanks to everyone who's already a member. It was funny this weekend with the uh, Kasha winning Gravel Worlds and the Discord was like, Abby's probably falling apart. And I was like, I'm not. I tried. <laughs> yeah, we'll I get through it. that. We'll get to it. Funny. In a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or should we talk about it right now? Should we just start let's, off with Gravel Worlds? Yeah. Gravel Worlds was this weekend. Let's, let's have a yeah. little rant, shall we? Let's start it off with some spice. And also starting on a high. It's a high and a rant because yeah. she won a race. Woo! I know. It's like <laughs> so exciting that Kasha finally won a race. And it seems like it was the perfect race. I mean, she's always been good at Strada. And it was similar to Strada in that mm -hmm. it was, you know, it Italy, white road, dirt roads. The course was awesome. Like watching the highlights reel and watching some of the men's race, it just seemed like it was such a fun course that they got to race. Some of the videos and, and photos before the race happened when everyone was doing recon, there was like one section in the beginning of the race where it was like a riverbed, not really a road. Like those stones were like massive. <laughs> um, so I really wish that we could have seen it. And it was a bummer that a lot of the a lot of the discussion around the race was that the decision was made by the organizers and the UCI. There's a lot of blame being thrown around by both parties, but at the end of the day, the UCI is the governing body. So I think it kind of rests on them. Also, they did fire the organizers, the original organizers, a few weeks before the race actually happened and hired new ones. And the new ones were like, we can't cover the women's race. And the UCI made the decision to not have any live coverage of a women's world championship gravel event. It's still a world championship. There was the best of the best on the start line from the mm -hmm. gravel world and the road world. And the whole discussion around the race was, was that there was no live coverage, which I, I did not ever think that we would have to be in this position again, where we were trying to follow an elite race on Twitter and the UCI didn't even have Twitter updates. There was no live ticker. There was no way to know what was happening. When Kasia went through 10 kilometers to go with 30 seconds, it was just silence after that. And it was like, but did she win? Like there, there was no updates. The best updates were coming from like Canyon Stram's social media had some updates going and Daniel Benson of GCN, he was on the ground and he was doing some updates, but man, how infuriating is it that it's 2023 and like, no live coverage, not even the last hour, nothing. Yeah, it's like rewinding 10 years again, isn't it? I, I think I mentioned it, um, not in the group chat, on a document, that Chloe Hosking, she's been really on it with everything. Um, mm -hmm. She's becoming the voice of women cycling. She is so articulate and smart, and I'm actually really enjoying the content that she's putting out, particularly on LinkedIn. If you don't follow her, give her a follow. And uh, she put an article out straight away after this to 
to basically discuss her opinions of who the blame falls on. And I thought it was really interesting how she brought up um, the sponsors behind the UCI and how they should also be demanding like um, equality because, you know, big sponsors are behind the UCI, like Shimano and Wahoo, Tizit Watches. Um, there's another big name. I can't think of off the top of my head. But uh, she she brought up some good points there um, about how why are we still having this discussion about um, equality. I did find it interesting that like when there was an uproar about there not being any live coverage, it was a lot of the women who were racing. Obviously, they want to be seen. Their sponsors want to be seen on TV. It's a huge reason why the sport has grown so much in the last three years. A lot of that is because we finally have live coverage of all the races. People can reliably log on to their streaming platform and find coverage of the women's races live. And a lot of those people wouldn't be fans if it was back in 2019 when you had to follow every one of the races on Twitter. And so obviously the racers themselves were frustrated. The fans of women's cycling were frustrated. I was kind of disappointed that the sponsors didn't say more SRAM said something after the race but there wasn't a lot coming from the major sponsors of women's teams and the women in the race because gravel riders usually have individual sponsors and a lot of the men like I saw a lot of people being like well I'm gonna boycott watching the men's race which is not the answer because you don't then you're punishing the men's field for a decision they had no hand in and while I want them to speak up, it's not right to alienate them because we're all in it together. Like if one side of the sport grows, the other side of the sport grows, hopefully, you know? So I was kind of disappointed that none of the brands and not more of the men like voice their frustration because their platform is bigger than most of the women. But yeah, it was, I think it is, in my opinion, at the end of the day, it does come down to the UCI because the the organizers, the particular organizers that organized the race, it was last minute, and still they the UCI is like they're they're the, they're in charge. This is yeah. like if something falls through and it's a world championship event and they're handing out jerseys at the end of the day, it's on their it's on them, and the fact that they didn't make any statement about it at all until the race was actually underway is when they finally said something and said, oh, we blame the organizers, mandatory coverage in all future events. It's like, no, no, you, you're you doing what you always do and you're reacting to the problem that you could have easily solved yourselves weeks ago. And yeah. a key point here, something that Chloe brought up was you can't pick and choose where you, you decide to voice um, your opinion on gender equality and I think this, this I, I'm just going to read a paragraph from what she wrote one of the core principle principles of gender equality is providing equal opportunities for both men and women in all aspects of life including sports in fact in a press release in July when the UCI banned transgender women from competing in sport they stated that the UCI had a duty to guarantee above all equal opportunities for all competitors in cycling competitions so evidently, this duty only arises when it suits them. Yeah, it's definitely a good uh, contrast to what's been already happening this year. And I don't know, it just it's reminiscent of, you know, maybe even the Giro d'Italia, the Giro Rosa, like it's kind of like these um, strong cycling nations that have all grazed each other's palms, including the palms of the UCI for decades now. And these race organisers, I'm not going to place full blame to them because I don't know exactly who was involved, but, you know, like they're all friends of, you know, there's all one degree of separation and it's frustrating that like the points that you guys have raised already that this is happening and it's you we're given these last-minute press releases of, oh, we couldn't do anything about it. And you're like, well, it shouldn't happen in the first place. <laughs> like it's... You had a whole year to organise this, if not longer. And like you said, Abby, if something does change because it's an emergency or they've had someone back out or whatever, that's where the UCI does need to step in and provide that 
equality and 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 try and cover that um cost somehow mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. like such a waste because this is like uh, effectively it's a, a little infant baby sport and it's the perfect opportunity to be like this is a clean slate road cycling will never be a clean slate ever it's got mm-hmm. some inherent problems that won't go away uh, women's cycling is taking up some of men's cycling problems, unfortunately, even though we've been really trying hard not to. But gravel, that they've almost been on an equal footing from the start of their sport. So it's just like it was such a wasted opportunity for UCI not to say this is mm-hmm. how we'd like to go moving forward for all cycling disciplines. This is the clean slate we're going to use as the example. Yeah, and and worth pointing out that the gravel community, when the UCI came in 2020, 2022 and announced the Gravel World Series, their own Gravel World Series and the World Championships, the gravel community was not super stoked about it in the beginning because the UCI has a habit of coming in and taking something that's doing quite well and throwing it off. Like they they did it to mountain biking as well. And that they that they inserted themselves into the conversation and then just thoroughly fucked up in such a massive way for the women is just infuriating. Like it's not, it's unacceptable. It's really unacceptable. And I think at this point, like this is one of the reasons why organizations like the cyclist Alliance are so important because the women really need a, an organization to stand up for them and they need to band together. And I was chatting with Dina from the cyclist alliance about the the tea camp which is i'm not sure how you say it but that is how i say it in my that's how i used to say it (laughs) (laughs) and uh, their pre-career program that they just launched and and how what they really need is for the riders to be involved because they can only do so much if the riders aren't coming to them and this is one of the one of the instances where it's like we need we need a union because this can never happen again and the women need to have someone standing up for them. And that would, you know, fall onto a union, something like this. Like, yeah. Um, I really hope we never have to have this conversation again. I was like hesitant about whether or not we should talk about it on the podcast because it just, it's like, I thought I was done banging my head against a wall when it came to live coverage. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how, how I feel, especially after some real big wins for women's cycling and for sport in general. Like this year felt like a big step forward once again with the Tour de France Femme and the, that atmosphere that we all got to experience and and even like the, the Women's World Cup, the football, like it mm. just feels like there's this shift finally happening and then to have this statement about a world championship event come out, you're like, what? It was like a joke. I th- I thought for sure, like the morning of the race, like they would ho- cobble something together. I was like, there's no way that they're sitting on their asses with their massive the other- salaries. <laughs> exactly. But the other thing is, this wasn't some non-event. You've already brought this up. There were some huge names there. Big, big yeah, names I mean, from the Rhone cycling world who are well established in the media. And so it's not a case of people not wanting to watch the race either because people would have tuned in. There wasn't that much on that weekend that was super interesting from my perspective of the racing calendar. So I think people were really excited to watch this event. And it's like, well, there's a missed opportunity. And again, for the sponsors, a missed opportunity. So, yeah. And I think like no matter who would have won, it wouldn't have would have been a a good race to watch. But the fact that Kasha won, the rider that is probably like one of the most loved riders in the Peloton. She has mm. such an insane fan base. She is aggressive in every race. We want to see her win so badly. And she finally won and we didn't get to watch it. It's like rubbing salt in a wound, like I can't, I'm like almost in denial that she finally won a race and we didn't get to see it. It feels like, like we were talking on the, every, everyone on the discord was poking fun at me that like somebody check on Abby mm-hmm. and what's devastating about it is I was trying to follow the race on Twitter. There were no updates. I was mostly just pissed off. I didn't, I had, I been able to watch, I would have been 
a disaster. Mm. Like <laughs> someone would have had to check on me. <laughs> but because <laughs> because I couldn't find updates, I was struggling to figure out what had happened. Like I wasn't it wasn't the reaction that should have happened when Cash and Iwadoma finally won a race. No. It's no. just so It's it's a missed just, opportunity again. But yeah. uh I have to say my favorite image I think is um where like Demi Vollering has got her hands outstretched. She's got this big smile on her face as well. So it's that's really cool to see that camaraderie between competitors. Um and like you said, Cassia is she's really loved in the Peloton. She's just a really cool person who we, we've spoken about this before, but she's someone who definitely has a life outside of the sport. Um, and she's just super interesting too. So that that was fun. But for me to get into it, honestly, I don't want to follow races on Twitter. That's not fun. It's not we enjoyable. used to do it. That's how yeah. we did it. <laughs> That's how my parents used to, to follow anymore. races. But no, we're beyond that now. So yeah, um, like on on the race itself. Kasha and gravel in general it was interesting to see the divide between kind of the pro road women and the and the gravel pros that came over for the race it was very much a road racers uh top 10 with some some big names that we've talked about all year or for years now in that top 10 um great to see Sylvia Persico in second if you mm. saw the the highlights reel she really just fought back from <laughs> she was dropped and fought back and dropped and fought back and dropped and fought back um so it was really impressive to see her up there in second and on italian road so a huge deal for her and after a slightly disappointing season um on the road where she probably after last year would have hoped for a little more it was cool that she got to like i don't know if she'll go to china but if it is the end and the season on a high um and yeah, Kasha was just the strongest on the day. Like, I think for her, it's interesting because she's got this really intense history with the sport. Like she signed on right, right away with Rabobank and just dove in head first to being really serious about it. And I think over the years and over some disappointing results for her, she's it's been super important for her to turn to gravel riding as a form of escape from, well, she can, she's still, you know, doing the training, but, but it's removed from intervals on the road where she's getting the work done, but it's in a fun, it's a, in a different environment. So she's able to kind of disassociate and she rides a lot with her partner, with her friends. And so for her to be able to take that escape and turn it into a world championship, is pretty incredible and like Demi ha has said the same thing about gravel where like it's close enough to road that it's still training but it's like way different and a way different attitude um and has become quite important in keeping keeping the the passion going and I think for Kasha mm -hmm. that's it's a huge deal for her to be able to ride a gravel bike all, like all season long because she's got so much pressure on her she's first until this year been the number one canyon stram rider mm. a lot of pressure from the team a lot of pressure from herself she's really determined to win and you see it in the way she races and so there's this there's this huge story here with kasha winning this race because it's such a different mindset for gravel for her and for a lot of riders for, for riders like her and demi actually those are two great examples they're riders that at least from the outside i don't know demi personally or kasha that well myself but um when you're seeking balance and nature connectedness they're both two people i mean i know cassia loves the mountains that's where she comes from and demi has chosen to live in Switzerland for years. And you can see if you just follow them on social media that they have this connection with nature. And that's the beauty of gravel riding and mountain biking. I think gravel riding is the safer option in the season, definitely unless you're an accomplished mountain biker. Um, so, yeah, combining the two is really important. And I think, yeah, following Kasia throughout this season, she just seems to – I think we're, we're going to only see – the best from her in the next few years because she just seems really happy 
and um, it's it's clicking. Not that it wasn't clicking before, but I think that balance factor is key. And same with Demi this year. Last year, trying to step up after Anna Vanderbregen retired, it was a big question mark. Would she be able to take the jump? Um, and she has done it. And I think, that, again, I'll use the word again, the key is that balance and finding out what works for you. Hopefully next year we get to... Watch it's in Belgium next year, I'm pretty sure. Oh, they're gonna use, I want to come. I think they're using the course they use for the Europeans, if I'm right, the oh, organisers. Cool. Yeah. That I, uh, race are taking over the worlds. I could be wrong, but that was what I thought. I texted Tom's yesterday when I was watching the men's race, and I was like, can you please race next year? Because it just, like... It's like a road race, but with like a mountain bike atmosphere and I want to go. <laughs> yeah. And also I think the European course looked quite fun too. The mm. There was good um, reviews about it and comments. Yeah. It was really hard as well. So yeah, come, come have your off season little party after party here in Belgium. That'd be so much fun. It'd be so cool if we got to hang out. I can do like forever the master's category or something <laughs> the last time that we <laughs> the last time that we hung out i have a picture of it was at worlds in leuven and i was and, i think pumping <laughs> yeah i was trying to find you at the race and you were like i'm in the woods <laughs> I, was yeah. like, I was like walking around the woods like what the fuck i was and I came pumping. around the corner and you were just like crouched on a log like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was hilarious and that's actually when you told me you were pregnant so yeah 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 that was like i just found out yeah and i was yeah it's a good story a whole lot of life was about yeah. to happen for both of us <laughs> oh man it's it's such a great picture i'll send it to the group chat yeah <laughs> anyway enough on enough on the gravel i said we should talk about it briefly in my notes um but we've talked about it for a while. Um, there's only one transfer I think worth mentioning as as the the transfers continue to trickle out and the current EF Education Tipco SVB riders find new homes or are kept by the new EF team. And that's that uh, Lauren Stevens will be riding for Siniska mm. next year, which is an interesting change for her. She's been one of the top riders at EF Tipco for her entire career really and mm. i think she has aims for the world or for the olympics next year um but yeah choosing to take a step down and go to a a uci team that's not world tour that only does a handful of races in europe um is a is an interesting interesting shift for her so i'm curious to see how that goes how that that team is able to support her and um also, where there's a couple of the other EF riders that are still on the on the hunt for for homes. Uh, Sarah Poitvin signed for DNA, um, which I really hoped that she would be able to stay in the World Tour. She's just phenomenal. But um, so I was kind of bummed to see that. But she'll still get to do some races in Europe. Actually, speaking of DNA, Heidi Franz to Life Plus Wahoo, friend of the podcast. I'm thrilled that she got got picked up yeah i saw that an that actual good mention yeah. and she she had a rough time too going through some shitty team mm. stuff this year like many other riders so hopefully if yeah, yeah good part start of the, again Zaff. yeah do we know where lizzie yeah. holden's going because i saw on discord one of the, the the members did mention there was that photo of alice barnes's uh bright what's it called hendu Hendu. <laughs> and it was like basically almost all the riders that have been on drops in the past, I don't know, eight years or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, there was the question whether she had gotten another contract. But she's only been with UAE for one year, right? Yeah, yeah, she has. And she's not – she signed a one-year, so she oh, okay. still is unannounced for next year. I'd be surprised if they didn't keep her, to be honest. But yeah. there's – I was looking through it, and, yeah, there's a lot of – there's a ride, a lot of riders that are still unsigned in theory. They're they're probably signed. We just don't know. Um, a lot of riders from teams that, yeah, like are new to teams or actually we didn't talk about this last week. I feel like our road captains discussion is getting like shorter and shorter by the minute. But I want to talk about Yumbo Visma because somebody asked us about this on the Discord months ago, a month ago. Um, what's going on at Yumbo Visma and at first, I was like, oh, nothing. There's just riders leaving. And then they announced that 
all three of their female DSs. It was a primarily female run team on the women's side of Yumba Visma with three female DSs and a female team manager who co-managed the team with a guy who was hired last year in August from speed skating. He has no no experience in road cycling at all. Nothing. Zero came to came from speed skating straight into a managerial managerial bro uh, role on Yumbo Business women's team. And you'd think nothing of it if you um, kind of were just looking at the news trickle out. But once you kind of like pin it all up on a wall, it really doesn't look like a good situation over there because. Earlier this year, they announced that Ezra Trump left the team. She's working for EF next year. So starting that team from from scratch like she did with Yumba Visma. But a lot of the women that have signed on, including the DSs, signed on because of her. And then we had this news come out just a couple weeks ago that the three female DSs are leaving the team. And they're all three replaced by men. Mm-hmm. So... I did a little bit of digging and I chatted with a couple of people who wanted to stay anonymous about the situation. And it is not good Mm. over there. Um, Yeah. The, the fact that it went from a female run team to an all male management running a women's team. um, A couple of the riders cut their contract short. There's a couple that are still trying to it's yeah, it, it really is in a good situation, which is a, a massive bummer. So if you do subscribe to my newsletter, thank you. Um, but the newsletter this week is about the problem with men's teams having women's teams, because this is clearly an issue. And one of the, one of the people that I talked to told me the story about, they were at team camp and the men and women had their team camp together and the men had a chef and like an espresso machine and all this stuff. And it was like literally roped off. The women weren't allowed to touch the espresso oh. machine. They didn't, they weren't allowed to eat the food by the chef. They had to eat the hotel food. Like, how? I'm, there's only freaking like 12 of them. What kind of extra ever is like, they told me this story about how the, the women, one day it was super, the weather was super bad. So the women were riding trainers and a staff member came up to them and said, you can ride the trainers, but as soon as the men want to ride, you have to, you have to get off. Yeah. I've been in that situation before. (laughs) I'm giggling because I'm thinking back to 2016. (laughs) And when we, (laughs) we used to stay in the same hotel for the Belgian blockers, the men, and um, they had a private chef and we weren't allowed to eat the food. Um, but if there were some leftovers, we got the scraps. Yeah, I was about to add and that point. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laughing now, but and I've brought this up before, but that whole experience just I was going through a lot of mental things that year, but it just pissed me off so much. Um, because when you go from a a team that is solely there for the women. The sponsors are there. Like when you have a training camp, it's just all about your team, the riders, everything to where you're sharing stuff with the men, but it feels like you're second rate citizen. It doesn't feel good. And I really thought we were kind of beyond that. Um, So I'm laughing actually out of, I don't know whether I'm laughing or crying really, but um, yeah, it's very relatable and a bit sad that now, what, eight years on from my experience that that's, that's how it is. I remember one time I was, we had a race, uh, like a men, men's women's race happening at the same time when I was on United Healthcare and I got third on the day. I was in the best young riders Jersey and the mountain the uh, I was leading the mountains classification. So I had to be on the podium, but they had the podium joint with the men's. So I had to wait three hours for the podium and the rest of the team went to Chipotle and got burritos and went home to recover. And I had to sit in the heat in the sun and wait for three hours and I had to defend both of these (laughs) classifications the next day I didn't have a contract for the next year I was stressed out of my mind and they wouldn't let me on the bus like I had to sit outside in the sun in the heat for three hours and the team bus outside the team bus and they wouldn't let me on the team bus because the men were racing and none of them were even there they were all 
they were racing, but they wouldn't allow me on the bus because they were there for the men. And I remember like Yanni Brockovich got back from the stage and I was like, can you please throw me a water? Like I have no water. And he like, he was like, just go on the bus. And I was like, I can't, the Swanee like screamed at me when I tried to go on the bus. Like, I can't go on the bus. Can you please pass me some water? And it was like ridiculous. Like I was like the leader of the team, even if I wasn't like I was a member of the team. I was wearing the team's colors. I wasn't mm. allowed to set foot on the team bus. It was, it was ridiculous, like unbelievable. But, it, but that whole year was like, my training bike was one of the guy's old race bikes. It was like beat to shit when I got it, but yeah. It, Gave yeah. me one of the guys' old bikes and all the guys got brand new bikes, like racing bikes, training bikes, spare bikes. And the women had the, the old bikes, the men's old bikes, unless you're a Corinne because she's tiny. So she got a new bike. But like. <laughs> <laughs> there yeah, was no like, old men's bike that could fit her. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, perks have been tiny. <laughs> Quintana on the team to <laughs> give, her, give her his bike. No, it was like we, I feel like all three of us would have stories like this having been on women's teams connected to men's teams back in the day, but it's 2023. Like we just had to have a whole freaking discussion about there being no live coverage. I never thought I would have to write this story. I'm so disappointed that I, I have to, I have to write it. Like people need to know that this is happening. I, I don't want people to not cheer for Voss, but, but it's like they, the team needs to be held accountable. It's infuriating that these women are experiencing this, that they, they're feeling like second-class citizens on a team that they would have been thrilled to sign with when they signed these contracts. Mm. One of the best teams in women's cycling, one of the best team in men's cycling. And like, this is the story. These are the stories I'm hearing come out of it. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's like, there are men's teams with women's teams and we always say Trek, but they are setting the standard for what a women's team connected to a men's team should be where they are equal 100% equal the the last year when and every year that they've had the team the team supplements whatever prize money the women don't get from the races the team covers the extra mm -hmm. prize money to match the men's like when like Eliza and Lizzie won Paris-Roubaix Femme the prize money that they got, the team looked at the men, what the men's prize money was, and they gave them the bonus that covered the, what the prize money, the difference between the prize money. It's like, it's a team that is equal in every single, almost every single way. And they're a team that you're like, okay, sometimes it's good to have a women's team connected to a men's team because there are opportunities that they get having that connection. But other times you're just like, fuck, if you aren't even going to do the bare minimum, then why are you here? But it, it's again, it comes down to it comes down to management. And then I also really strongly believe, believe sponsors as well. So, I mean, yeah, management, they're the ones that have to basically organize the budget right yearly and figure out where the money needs to go, how much riders are getting paid how much money they need for travel, all those sorts of things, camps. But then also the sponsors who are associated with the team, like I've always found SRAM to be a company that cares. I don't have as much experience with Shimano, but the little I do just through my professional work now, it's not a company that I really um, particularly like. But oh, um this is a spicy episode. Spicy. <laughs> but but Shram, I've always felt that uh, they always have gone above and beyond, um, even for their women's teams. And I've had experience with being a Shram athlete before and then working with them as well as um, in a nonprofit organization, the, the amount of support they give us and care about what the work that we're doing. They just seem to be a company that cares. And I think Trek has really risen up as well as a company that is trying to be equal in a lot of ways. Like the company itself is working on itself. But yeah, I think with Jumbo, the, the issue here was they had good sponsors, um, but they really were two separate teams because when I spoke with Liz a lot years ago, uh, former DS now, um, she said, yeah, it's the same name, but we really function differently. But like, you know, that, that's the difference now. I think it's the management from the men's team who's kind of taken it on 
but it's like almost a side project. And that's the feeling I'm getting from everything that's said now. And why the hell would you go and hire someone who has no experience running a cycling team, let alone a women's cycling team? I mean, it's it not a copy like, and paste. It sounds like that's that a lot of the problems with why people are leaving are because they've hired, it doesn't matter how, how nice this guy is. They've hired someone who has no experience and put him straight into management. Like that would, can I just say something as well? That would never happen to a woman. (laughs) And I want to just, exactly. I don't want to jump on the the sexist bandwagon, but if it had been a woman, she never would have got the job. No. A woman um, with no experience in cycling? I don't think so. No. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I can compare it to kind of is when EF sponsored the men's EF team, they had a woman named Mary who is in running, who they brought over to, to be like kind of JV's, I don't know, handler and, uh, the Jonathan Vodder's handler. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was like, please laugh. Um, and she had no experience in cycling, but she wasn't involved in the day to day of the athletes. And, from what it sounds like, this guy, the more hands-on he is, the more problems it creates. And and the, it wasn't – the situation wasn't this bad in the early years of the team, and it's gotten progressively worse. But a, a lot of the problem is, I think, goes back to the sponsors because it was the sponsors that demanded a women's team in the first place. But if the management – doesn't want a women's team and the mm-hmm. sponsor's like we'll mm-hmm. give you this money if you have a women's team and the management's like well we need that money so i guess we'll start a women's team they don't actually care like they don't care about the women i feel like God, this episode's gone off the rails i didn't know i had this much anger <laughs> but yeah like the problem is also the sponsors because you can't demand a team have a women's team if the management doesn't want it, find a team that it, that wants to have a women's team. Find a team that's passionate about the women and sponsor them. Give them your money. Like mm. it's and it's fine to just have a men's team. Like it's fine. Just have a men's team. You don't need to also have a women's team. Like don't jump on the bandwagon if you don't care. Like be be involved and be excited about where you're putting your money and sponsor women's teams. We can have women's teams. Like Maybe the solution was all the years ago that like if so Jumbo is obviously, you know, the big sponsor of um the Dutch ice skating um team and everything. And they're very successful there. So if it was Jumbo, in fact, who was pushing, we do need equality, we need a women's team, we want to do this, then they should have just given the money to Jumbo Park Hotel or something instead. Yeah, I don't think I've got anything more to add. You've got you've raised some good points there. It's just frustrating. I completely agree. Like from for the last, you know, however many years, I definitely thought that not every men's team should have a women's team for the exact reasons that you've just listed. And it's so frustrating to see people that I don't know, I've always thought that there's so many people in women's cycling that probably couldn't get a job outside of our sport, which is already a red flag. Mm. And mm. it's like, why? Yeah, like they keep who, getting. Who's missing out on these jobs that would be really good, or sh- who's who's leaving? In you know, like this Jumbo Visma women's team is a good example. Like from all accounts, Ezra Tromp is really good at her job. Those three directors mm. good at their job. Like, why are they leaving? <laughs> it's like such a, a cultural thing, and I think women just tend less to not put up with crap. They generally speaking, like I'm making broad statements here, but women don't stay in environments that they that don't align with their values for as long as they like they leave if they can, if they have other options. Mm. Like and I think that comes with maturity. Would you agree, Gracie? Like if you say yeah, you're it's a not young easy rider. to do. No. Yeah. I think it definitely comes with maturity because that's how I felt towards the end of my 20s but like for the beginning of my career I would have done anything just to have a contract and this sort of leads into my next line of thought is um, they've signed a hell of a lot of young riders jumbo 
Mm. So I'm just wondering, wondering what their experience will be going forwards, particularly if you're moving into what seems to be a bit of a toxic environment. Um, if you've got big names leaving the team, I wouldn't say that, that that's a big red flag, particularly the staff leaving the team as well. Um, women who have raced and been in the sport a very long time. Um, so that that's actually a bit of my concern now is what happens for this this next generation that, you know, it's really important where you start out because that is where you're kind of nurtured and your relationship with the sport is kind of fostered in those first environments and experiences. Yeah. And, and a lot of Dutch writers too. Yeah. Going back to what Abby said a lot earlier is that she didn't want to write this article, but she feels she has to. And I, I really think that you do mm. too. I think it is important to keep telling these stories raising these points, um, uh, can't remember how long ago now, maybe five years ago, one of the Cyclist Alliance surveys was about team culture. We were trying to collate anonymous information, almost like a tipping off survey of how people rated teams and we tried mm. to collect as much information as possible. So other riders who were seeking contracts for the year coming could contact Cyclist Alliance and ask whether the team might be a good fit or not for them or if there were any problems that they didn't know about and it was also an uh, opportunity to run through a, a contract and have it looked over and I'm not sure if they've done that particular survey for a little while but I thought that was a really good idea and I don't know I think just having as much information out there, whether it be through articles, even gossip, like just keep talking, ladies. Mm. Talk about how much you're earning with each other outside of your all different teams. Talk about team management. You know, mm. your words are really powerful and, of course, having a union is one of the more powerful ways to do it. But even if you decide you don't want to be involved in po politics at all, um, at least just talk to your fellow team members and other people from other teams and just I don't know I think that's a really good way to just try and minimize some of this bullshit <laughs> mm, mm. yeah actually when I chatted with Dina last week um I think there was still a question in this year's survey about team culture and a lot of Yumbo is not the only team where this is happening we might be hearing these stories right now because there's chaos happening within the organization, but it's definitely not the only women's team connected to a men's team that is not getting proper equipment, is not getting proper attention, is not getting enough money. Like, it's not the only one. And I think that that's something, yeah. I, like, we can't really, I feel when it comes to unions, we we are pretty... <laughs> partial to the cyclist alliance and a lot of that is because gracie is one of the founding members but a lot of it is because all three of us were former pros and we've been in the sport and we've dealt with situations like this and we know how important it is the work that the cyclist alliance is doing and this survey is so important to get a gauge on what the cyclist alliance needs to be putting their attention towards in the future and i'm I'm always a little bit disappointed when I talk to a pro who d isn't a member or doesn't even really follow what they do. Uh, like one of my favorite pros, I was talking to her about something having to do with the cyclist science. She was like, who? And I was like, dude. How can you not though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's just so important uh, to, to be involved with them. And like, because things like this can't happen. They, they shouldn't be allowed to happen. And like, yeah, it's not just, you don't have to be a member of the Cyclist Alliance to help better the sport. Gossip is great in this situation. Like, don't gossip about other people. That's not cool. But, like, gossip about, unless you're gossiping about, like, the Team DS who is pursuing his rider that's 20 years younger than him. Like, please gossip about that. We need you to gossip about that because young women shouldn't sign for that team and you mm. need people need to know like it's I wish that these some of the writers like I'm sure all three of us have horror stories that if we were to tell them people would be 
sick. Look, we <laughs> could write a, a Gossip Girl column. <laughs> I know. Or a, or, or a book. About it. Trust me. Oh, I thought about it for years. I'm like, the stuff I could write just from... Like, it's also important that we don't tell those stories because a lot of these women don't feel safe coming out with some of the experiences that they've had. And that is totally fine. Like, and also, I think it's... we've mentioned this before sometimes you put on the blinders because you want to protect your career and then it's only when people get out of the sport that they go well this actually happened and this happened but now that I'm out of it I feel safe to talk about it um, and I'm in a new career so you know it's not going to impact me anymore but I think with really big things uh, like you sort of joked about before a, a DS pursuing a writer 20 years younger those things have to come out like that's not something to be ashamed of, but that's mm -hmm. inappropriate. That doesn't happen in the workplace. It shouldn't. Especially when, like said, true story mm. <laughs> that this actually did happen. When said DS leaves the sport and then comes back, mm. it's like, no, 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 no. We know who you are. Mm. Like you shouldn't be allowed to. And it sucks that people don't feel safe coming forward. But part of the reason the cycle science is so important it's because you can go to them with that and you can tell them that anonymously and mm -hmm. they can help you. Like we cannot make the sport a better place if people are not willing to talk about it. And the, the people that I talked to about the Yumbo Visma situation, all of them are still employed by the team. And so a lot of the stories they told me were trimmed down, but Come j January 1st, like a couple of them said, oh, I'm, I'm willing to go on the record. Like I will go on the podcast and I will tell these stories. Mm. And I can't wait for that because it just like I hope someone at, at SRAM is listening to this podcast because <laughs> as much as I don't want a sponsor to like, I don't want a sponsor to pull their sponsorship from a team, but they're the money behind making the team happen. They can say, uh, we have heard troubling reports and we just want to make sure that mm. this is not like that this something gets happened something gets done about this cuz i don't know this is not I within our values gone. and company this culture really so like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like we're going to have a great little chat about road captains i got a really <laughs> nice voice memo from <laughs> Allison Jackson about like the the role of a road captain and why they're important and now i feel that we'll we have to save that i think i feel we don't like that, that that would be a great off season chat but on this topic i don't know my thought is it might be interesting to actually get someone like Chloe Hoskin or she's very busy to get her on and chat further maybe in an off season chat about this Mm-hmm. For sure. And she also would, just the work she's doing. Yeah. I I love that there are like ex-professionals who are who've been in the sport, who've experienced this shit, and they are willing to talk about it. Like I love it. I I feel like women get a, a bad rap for <laughs> when like I I anticipate some pretty shitty comments about my just anger today. I didn't not get much from, sleep last not night. From I woke the, up and the chose Discord. Violence. Not from Never the Discord. Never from the Discord. Friends. They're awesome. No, no, no they're, they're awesome. Be very there's a reason my Twitter. Yeah, they're gonna be. They're gonna be awesome. I, I love everyone over there. But this isn't um, even like I think you know the rant about the coverage is one thing, and lots of people can go. Well, it's they've got all of their um, reasons as to why women's cycling isn't worth covering la 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 we've heard it all before but like the stuff we're talking about in the second half of the podcast it's just basic safety and good working conditions that everyone is entitled to we're not asking for anything above what is ethical <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, we're just asking for background checks for staff like, yeah <laughs> get to know the staff a little bit before you hire them for a position maybe or like give them a team yeah non-toxic working environments that promote inclusivity and diversity and gender equality and having sponsors that keep thing keep um teams accountable and background checks and i don't know it's just i can keep going but it's it's just what is right <laughs> it's not even worth arguing about <laughs> Should we maybe dive into a few listener questions then <laughs> to finish <laughs> just off? 
to finish off on a nice, (laughs) (laughs) just to finish off with like some lighthearted, like, because there is a really cute question here about kids. I see. Yeah, go for it. Read it off. Let's do it. I think we answered that one, didn't we? I felt like we've answered a sort of. Yeah, we did answer that one. A similar one. We need to get more. We need to get new questions for listeners listening. Pretty please. Tweet at us if you're a member. Throw it in the Discord. If if you want, you could also like go on the site, um, escapecollective.com, and there's always a post associated with the podcast when it goes up. Throw your questions in the comments. I read all of the comments. So, yeah, go ahead. Throw your questions in there, and and we'll get some listener questions in before we close out the season. But I think we can put a wrap on this episode. <laughs> Let's finish. But on we a have good to note. finish with the best part, right? Yes, we're, we're the best with. part. Yeah, and I'm so excited for what I'm obsessed with this week because I am a theater girly. Like, I grew up doing theater. (laughs) I I did not know that. Yeah, I love, like, uh, we used to, one time a year, we would go down to Denver and we would see an off-Broadway musical. And I've seen a bunch of them and and I love them. And I am known to play, like... Soundtracks from The Lion King and everything, and like blast, blast them in my car and sing along. Um, I think if I lived in the U.S., I would definitely be part of like the local theater troupe. Like, I love it. I love performing and I love singing, and so not like amazing at it, but like, yeah, it's a it's a passion. Um, and Wicked is by far my favorite musical. Mm. I think like I The Wizard of Oz. I have a really special place in my heart for that movie. It might be my favorite movie of all time. And Wicked is like Wizard of Oz adjacent. And Mm. they're celebrating their 20-year anniversary of being on Broadway. And so there was a Tiny Desk concert that the the two current leads of the show did um, with the guy who wrote all the music. And the the Tiny Desk was phenomenal. I I think I've watched it 40 times. And... And it came out like four days ago (laughs) and I cry every single time. I cry like all the way through because they are just so good. And I feel like if I could go back in time and I could see the original production with Adina Menzel and Christian Chenoweth, like that would be incredible. But I also am just so excited about the type of people who end up in these roles. And I can't say I'm excited for the, for the movies because I think they're making two. I'm not, super excited for that i feel like more often than not when they try to make a musical into a into a movie it really doesn't like i love cats doesn't translate god that movie was so bad (laughs) it was was so bad it it even had taylor swift and it was just so bad but the musical is my favorite and i think like i every single year i like start googling where can I watch this? Like, where can I go see? Have you been to London? Yeah. So I was looking up the other day, like I could just fly to London. Like I did for the Ed Sheeran concert, go see and fly home. Well, if you ever (laughs) want to, it's like a short train trip for me. I love going to, to musicals. That would be so cool. Oh my God. We have to. Yeah. We have to do this. Okay. It's done. I'm going to, uh, you're doing January. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder if we could figure out like a early no Tom's has team camp. This might have to be a post baby number two Thing. plan. Yep. But I'm this is happening. I'm gonna buy us tickets to Wicked at some point. We'll look at a calendar and we'll figure it out. Yeah, we should definitely so do it. Yes. You know what we should do? Is we should <laughs> <laughs> Tom's and I will come over for Gravel Worlds. And then ah. when Gravel Worlds is done, Tom's can take the baby. And you and I can take the train together to London. Mm, I like that idea. Wicked, and then I'll fly home to to Spain and you can. Oh, That's man. like roughly my birthday too. So I could just say to Hannes, yes. it's my birthday thing. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. It's such I love a good... that. One of my favorite musicals ever was Singing in the Rain. I saw it when oh, I was so good. It's a classic. 12. It's a classic. Yeah. And again, I was obsessed with that soundtrack um, for a very long time. Oh, yeah. It's so good. I just love musical theater. Like, it's so fun. Did I tell you I saw Hugh Jackman in The Boy From Oz? No, that's so cool. Yeah, that was great as well. So I got this close. 
people can't see, <laughs> but like cool. very, very close to Hugh Jackman, <laughs> who I also love. Another Australian actor I'm in love with. <laughs> Man, there's just some really great musicals out there. Like, I remember when I was little, we went to, uh, we used to like go on these epic summer summer vacations, my family and I. And one of the years we went to this town in Montana called Big Fork. And they have, it's like this tiny town and the bridge to get into town has like a weight limit of one car. But they have this incredible theater program and people from all over the country like come and live in Big Fork for the summer just for their theater program. And every week they have a different musical that they do. And we were there for like, I think a month. And so we saw four musicals and it was like, I mean, eight year old Abby was just like running around the streets of Big Fork, just like belting out songs, from, <laughs> like Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> just like, oh, man, it was great. Anyway. That's what I'm obsessed with. I'm obsessed with how into stuff you are, Abby. I love it. You always yeah, like bring I me know. so much joy and there's always something new. It's great. I don't oh, know how you have time for all these passions, but keep them coming, please. Makes me feel good. <laughs> Makes no, me seriously, get I was just it. thinking that like midway through your little spiel, I was like, <laughs> I need to get that passionate about things. <laughs> like, because it's it's so hard when I think about this question, like, oh my God, what am I gonna talk about? Another podcast? No, but that's 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 boring. But Abby, think, yeah, you definitely have it's a blessing and a curse. Lauren, do you think like it's a bit of a cultural thing? Do you think Aussies are a bit like too cool sometimes and we don't really like to admit that we're really into stuff? It might I be. Think it's my personality, actually. I mean, maybe you're like one of those really cool people, but you've got this great dorky side to you. I really relate with <laughs> yeah. because I'm well, definitely nice. I don't think anyone's ever called me cool so <laughs> you're um, so cool are you kidding I think the kids at high school disagree although no last I still year have to pinch school, myself that I'm making this podcast with the two of you every <laughs> once in a while but we're yeah cool. we're cool know. for cycling that's not good though no I always knew Gracie <laughs> was was cool so the fact now 10 I'm years later cool. that we can actually say we're friends You've got a little dorky element too. Yeah. Maybe that's why we all click like Taylor, Taylor Wiles, when you get to know it, big dork. Such a dork. <laughs> uh, yeah. But so cool. Like, yeah. I was so intimidated by her in the beginning. And she's so beautiful too. <laughs> Taylor? Yeah. Oh my God. Her hair is just like unbelievable. Yeah. I can't believe she's and her skin. all through high school. <laughs> she's the best skin. We're all obsessed with Taylor Wiles. There yeah, we go. That's what I'm obsessed with this week. <laughs> forever and always and cool you know women what, like, <laughs> um like sequoia has taylor's eyes mm -hmm. oh my god and like you could just like gaze into her eye it's like looking into a pool a dark pool <laughs> of water oh, i miss her so much you're gonna have to send her this podcast she probably doesn't listen to it anymore but you can send her just specifically listen for minute 57 and i don't know i think she might like this podcast in particular yes. we didn't really talk about racing we just we just chose violence <laughs> <laughs> that's okay just gotta do it yeah sometimes. but i have to send it through i'm gonna it's gonna have to go through management before i can post this episode Some female rage <laughs> legal legal's gonna have to clear it first no, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be all fine <laughs> yeah so that if freedom of speech episode, right and there's some like beep. yeah but <laughs> tried to sue me three times for defamation of character <laughs> that's she got a scout badge for that <laughs> yeah yeah you know, like Instagram and stuff when you're like official. Yeah, I should get a blue check mark. <laughs> but like something else. I expect a pin in the mail. I don't know. I don't know what I'm obsessed with now because you just trump <laughs> it. I feel like I That's have to fine. start first and then like get disappointed as I listen. <laughs> it's from what you guys are obsessed with. I'm sorry. I was just too excited. I was too excited. I'll, I'll send you guys the, the Tiny Desk concert and you'll please, understand. Please. Because <laughs> it's just phenomenal. Yeah. I'm pretty boring. I, I just am obsessed with the two things I've already mentioned before, which is watching True Blood with my cat cuddling me. So that's <laughs> still doing it. I love that. I love that. <laughs> oh, man. But your cat is so cute. Yeah. She's pretty good. Uh, what am I? I'm obsessed with. Is this an obsession? I'm 
really enjoying having, I think maybe I've said this, said this before, but it's been really nice to be spending a lot of time at home with my son, which has been challenging. But at the same time, um, my partner sent me a text message the other day when um, I work part-time and he works part-time at the moment. I was at the park with Harry and all the other kids were obviously at school or daycare and it was just the two of us. And then my partner, who doesn't really get sentimental, emotional, just sent a really long message saying, you know, we just have to be really grateful that we get to do cool shit with Harry when other parents are at work and like the kids are in school or daycare. So um, it's not going to last forever, but just to enjoy it and be present. And yeah, I think that's been pretty cool. So, well, we feel good now. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks so much to everyone who came to my TED talk today. Fuck. Oh, your TED talk would be amazing. Oh, it's so good. We'll be back next week um, to talk about more actual bike racing. Uh, we've got this weekend, Guangxi or Chengming Island. Chengming Island is this weekend, 12th to the 14th. So tune in for that to see some sprinters. Uh, we can have a discussion in the next podcast about olympic selection because after those races it's pretty much wrapped up so we can we can run through a bit of the olympic selection and i think that as lauren mentioned on the last episode uh the field that we will see at those races there might be a little bit having to do with with the olympic selection i wouldn't be surprised to see like marlon rooster there for example um so we'll talk about that in the next episode thanks everyone for listening if you if you made it this <laughs> all the way through. <laughs> uh, and thanks you two for just for putting up with me. <laughs> Gladly. 